the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. We must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Friday, May 13th, 2022, the 478th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Before we get started, just a word about the great American patriot, Mike Lindell and his great American manufacturing company, MyPillow. You can go to MyPillow.com right now and use the promo code REASONABLE to Get discounts of up to 60% off across the entire store. So go make yourself, your home, your sleeping situation far more comfortable. MyPillow.com. Get a mattress pad. Grab some Giza Dream Sheets, some slippers, some towels, some pillows, whatever you need. And you'll get a free gift from the great people at MyPillow.com. You will be supporting this show. You'll be supporting Mike Lindell and all the hard work he has done for the last 18 months, and you'll be supporting his great American manufacturing company. MyPillow.com, promo code REASONABLE. So, two days ago, Wednesday this week, the 11th, in case you are disoriented and want to find the episode exactly with no delay, (laughs) I was discussing the new claims from Russia about biological weapons programs in Ukraine. And those claims were laid out by the Russian Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Today, the Russian representative to the United Nations brought those claims in front of the UN Security Council. And before Russia's ambassador was able to lay out those claims, the UN had one of its own people come on to basically claim that whatever Russia was about to say was impossible. I'm aware that the Russian Federation has submitted new information regarding allegations of biological weapons programs in Ukraine. I wish to note that Under Secretary General Nakamitsu informed the Council in her respective briefings on 11 and 18 March 2022 that the United Nations was not aware of any biological weapons programs in Ukraine. This remains the case today. I would like to note that the United Nations currently has neither the mandate nor the technical or operational capacity to investigate this information. I recall that the relevant instrument of international law is the 1972 Biological Weapons Convention, which prohibits the development 
production, acquisition, transfer, stockpiling and use of biological and toxin weapons. The Russian Federation, United States, and Ukraine are all states parties to the Biological Weapons Convention. And so that is the bulk of the the quote-unquote briefing from the UN's guy. That's the UN's perspective on what's happening. Now, what he just said was that Russia brought those claims in front of the UN in early March, and the UN had no evidence of biological weapons programs funded by the U.S., in Ukraine, biological weapons programs. Okay. You got to keep that in mind because it's crucial to understand the significance of the exact language they're using, right? We talked about gain of function research. We talked about dual use research of concern. And that is the distinction between a biological defense program and a biological weapons program. It's only semantic. It is basically in the eye of the beholder, whoever is observing, whoever is analyzing what the research is, that's who makes the distinction on whether or not it's a biological weapons program. I included this in the ghost of Kiev video that you can see on Rumble and should see and should share. This is the definition of dual use research of concern from the WHO's own website. Dual use research of concern describes research that is intended to provide a clear benefit, but which could easily be misapplied to do harm. It usually refers to work in the life sciences, but the principles are also applicable to other fields, including engineering and information technology. It encompasses everything from information to specific products that have the potential to create negative consequences for health and safety, agriculture, the environment, or national security. The possibility that research might be misused, either intentionally or accidentally, is a long-standing concern of science. It can have implications in ethics and wider societal issues and involves not only research communities and public health, but also donors, scientific publishing, and scientific communication. So, once again, it's research that can be described as intended to provide a clear benefit but which could easily be misapplied to do harm. So then when you apply this to the dangerous pathogens that existed in Ukrainian labs, as admitted in a letter from the WHO on February 24th, the WHO sent that letter out ordering the destruction of the dangerous pathogens in those labs because they were concerned that those pathogens could be weaponized if they fall into the wrong hands. Victoria Newland, Undersecretary of the State in the fake administration, one of the women directly responsible for figuring out who the Ukrainian puppet president would be after the United States and global communist overthrow of Ukraine's government in 2014, admitted in testimony with Marco Rubio in front of a Senate committee a couple of months ago that we did indeed have U.S. Defense Department funded biolabs in Ukraine. The labs are very real. The connection to the United States is very real. The connection to Metabiota and Black and Veatch is very real. The connection 
of those companies to Democrat politicians and through their children, one of whom is Hunter Biden, is very real. All of that is very real. The dispute here is whether or not the evidence that Russia has proves that the United States was violating international biological weapons conventions. And the claim here is that there are no biological weapons in any of these labs, which basically means that they have decided that what is clearly, clearly, unquestionably, by definition, dual use research of concern was not being misapplied. Essentially, they are all just giving the United States the benefit of the doubt, despite the evidence that the Russians have turned over. Now, if the evidence is all made up and false, fine. I can't be 100% certain that it's true, but I can be 100% certain that no one is saying it's false. They're saying it's misinformation. It's a conspiracy theory. They're denying that these labs were bioweapons labs. They're just saying it falls on the good side of the dual use research of concern construct. They are not refuting the data or the claims. They're just accepting that the research there was not being misapplied. Therefore, it's biodefense that they're doing and not bioweapons and offensive biological weapons program. It's also worth noting that the U.N. guy said that the U.N. has neither the mandate nor the capacity to verify the claims of the Russians. And so I guess they default to the claims are false. And so here are the claims of the Russians. And I want to let most of this just play through. It's kind of long, but I want to give you like six, seven, eight minutes of it so that you understand what is actually being claimed here at the U.N. Security Council. This isn't some conspiracy theory website that we can just dismiss as disinformation. Now, is it certain that what the Russians are saying and the evidence that supports those statements are all accurate and true? No, I'm not certain. All right. You got to take it with a grain of salt. Take it for what it's worth. But it's awfully bold for Russia to go before the U.N. Security Council three times now and just give them fake information. That is very hard to believe. And it's very hard to believe that other countries would go along with it and demand investigations. But other countries are doing that and have done that. It's also worth noting that the claims themselves have not been specifically denied or refuted. And there is documentation U.S. officials, their signatures on these documents. It is not good enough to simply dismiss all of this, but that is exactly what was going on today at the U.N. Security Council. So have a listen to these Russian claims. Sit tight. Like I said, it's a bit long, but I think it's really actually worth hearing all this because they are such dramatic claims that if this stuff turns out to be true, these are the sorts of things that can really change the picture of what's happening in the world right now. These are dangerous times made all the more dangerous by the U.S.'s involvement in these programs if they turn out to be true, which seems likely. We don't want to think of the United States as being involved in these types of programs. So we are biased toward our non-belief 
But at some point, it becomes pretty hard to accept the denials when they are just blanket denials of everything, even while admitting the programs are there. Thank you, Mr. President. Colleagues, Russia has asked for a meeting on the military biological activity of Ukraine for the third time now. I'll explain why. We continue to receive very worrying documentary evidence of the fact that the Ministry of Defense of the United States is directly involved in carrying out in the country dangerous biological projects that look like a secret biological military program. This activity is being carried out in the center of Eastern Europe and on the western borders of Russia. It is a real threat to the biosecurity of our country, the region, and given the cross-border nature of these bio-threats to the whole world. There is no information on this in the reporting stipulated by the Bio and Toxin Weapons Convention from, the, from Ukraine or from the United States, as was confirmed by Mr. Markram. Preventing this dangerous activity is possible only through our special military operation. Since the previous meeting, we two months have passed and we've received much new evidence. All of these materials we have placed on the through the Security Council, and I'd like to draw your attention to the most salient pieces of information here. As comes from the documentation on Project 3007, monitoring of epidemiological and the environmental situation with the proliferation in Ukraine of dangerous waterborne diseases, Ukrainian specialists under the supervision of American colleagues have regularly carried out collection of water samples of, from rivers flowing through Ukraine, including the Dnieper, the Danube and the Dniester, and also the North Crimean Canal. The aim here is to establish the presence in them of specific dangerous pathogens, including cholera, typhoid, hepatitis A and E, and to evaluate the way in which they spread through the water in order to make a, draw conclusions on the ability of these pathogens to incapacitate. Then the collections of these samples were sent to the United States. We have a logical question. Why? Why is a collection of dangerous pathogens being collected by the United States, which might then spread through the waters of this region? Even a look at a Ukrainian map of the water sources in that country is enough to understand that the results of this scientific experiment might be used to create a biological catastrophe, not only in Russia, but on the whole through the waters of the Azov and Black Seas and in Eastern Europe, including Belarus, Moldova and Poland. The documents say that the Kiev regime is trying to receive access to the technical means to deliver dangerous bioagents through the air. Last year, the Ukrainian side asked the Turkish manufacturer of drones, Baikar Makina, whether it was possible to equip a, the drone Bayraktar with an aerosol equipment that would allow it to spread aerosols, more than 20 litres of them, over a distance of 300 kilometres while in flight. A copy of this letter was disseminated by us on the 19th of April in the documents collection that we had then. This system, given the distance of the flight, would represent a real threat of the broad use of dangerous bioaerosols across the territory of the Russian Federation. There is information that in January this year, Ukraine through intermediaries, receive more than 50 such devices equipped with systems to spray biological and chemical substances. On the 9th of March this year, three such drones equipped with 30-litre containers and spray systems were found by our military in the Kherson region. A further 10 were noted at the end of April in Kachovka region. 
our Ministry of Defence has received shocking evidence that a number of projects which the Pentagon is carrying out on Ukrainian territory have represent risk to the life and health of volunteers, Ukrainian citizens. The documentation on the project UP8 stipulates that when there are small incidents with the the people involved, then these must be reported to the US Bioethics Committee within 72 hours. And when there are serious events, including the death of the volunteers, within 24 hours. In other words, these experiments from the outset stipulate that they might be lethal, even though in the official project documentation it simply says that there's a standard procedure to collect blood. What kind of blood samples are being taken when the subjects might actually die? There is also evidence of the direct involvement of the political establishment in the United States in financing the military and biological activities in Ukraine through subcontractors from the Pentagon, such as Black and & Veatch and Metabiota. The aims, however, were far from scientific. In a letter from the vice president of Metabiota in particular, it says that its aim in Ukraine was to guarantee, and I quote, the cultural and economic independence of Ukraine from Russia, end quote. To put it mildly, this is an unusual objective for a biotech company. In previous meetings, we informed the Security Council that in Ukraine, with the financing and direct involvement of the US Ministry of Defense through its Defense Threat Reduction Agency, there is a network of biolaboratories that are carrying out various pieces of military biological research. According to preliminary data, this network covers Kiev, Odessa, Lvov, Kharkov, Dnipropetrovsk, Kherson, Ternopil, Uzhgorod, and Vinitsa. In this list, we can now add Mariupol. There are two biolaboratories in the city where we found evidence of the speedy destruction of documents that confirmed that it was working with the American military establishment. The preliminary analysis of the documentation shows that in Mariupol, it's being used as a regional center for the collection and for the a passport system for cholera pathogens. The samples that were collected were sent to the Center of Public Health in Kiev, which has the function to further then send on the biomaterial to the United States. This activity has been going on since 2014, as confirmed by the documents covering the distribution of the samples. There's also a health epidemiological laboratory in Mariupol, where we found a document suggesting that a collection of pathogen were destroyed, and that documents from the 25th of February 2022. According to it there, there was work with cholera pathogens, also pathogens for deer fly fever, anthrax, in other words, with various potential bioagents. Part of the connection of a veterinary laboratory wasn't destroyed in a hurry. In that Their specialists found pathogens which aren't really usual for veterinary illnesses, such as typhus, paratyphus, and gas gangrene. Last time, we talked about the sharp increase in recent years in the Kulagansk and Donetsk republics of cases of tuberculosis caused by new, different, multi-resistant samples. We've also grounds to understand that this is not by chance that this has happened. There was also a bio-incident which took place in 2020 in the north, the, in a region of Lugansk. There, it turned out that among children in Stepovoya, we found false um, money, which was were then used to as a carrier for, for tuberculosis. There, the idea was that the children, by when touching this money, would then would then pick it up on their unwashed hands. The analysis showed that the, these pieces, these this money was infected with a bioactive uh, tuberculosis, 
which would resist the various different medications that could be used against tuberculosis. The idea that the bacteria naturally ended up on these, these, these pieces of money is not true. The, the concentration of the pathogen was too high, which wouldn't be found in natural conditions where there is sunlight and where there is also active bacteria could die. In other words, there's everything to suggest that this was a, a laboratory in infection of this money with the bioagent itself. Fortunately, um, nobody was a victim of this, but on the whole, we can see that this is a that this is a confirmation of a very worrying trend. I'd also like to get into another subject, which is another clear demonstration of how, in fact, the Kiev regime and its Western sponsors think about the Ukrainian people. There is evidence that American scientists from the laboratory in Merev have carried out experiments of potentially dangerous biological substances on patients in a local psychiatric hospital, hospital number three in Kharkov. Similar inhumane experiments took place in psychological psychiatric hospital number one in Strelich in Kharkov region. The main category of the patients there was a group of patients who were men aged between 40 and 60 with, a, a, with very severe physical problems. All of this research was carried out secretly and Ukrainian colleagues signed a non-disclosure agreement. To cover the, the, the American experts, they were brought in through third countries so that it was kept secret. As information comes in about the activities of biolaboratories in Ukraine, we ask questions to their allies, the United States, and through NATO. New documents show that between 2016 and 2019, military epidemiologists from the Institute of Microbiology and the Bundeswehr, the German army in other words, were brought, they brought in samples of blood from their citizens from to who living in 25 different regions in Ukraine. What was the aim of, for, for, for the German armed forces to be involved in collecting samples from Ukrainian citizens? There's also documentation that confirms Poland's involvement together with the key um, contractors from the Pentagon, in particular the American company Betel, through biological research on Ukrainian territory. Mr. President, I think that today, once again, we will hear from our Western colleagues that there will be accusations that this is, this is propaganda and there's a lack of evidence. This is why we are devoting a great deal of attention to documentary evidence and to regularly distributing through the Security Council and the General Assembly the originals of these documents which have come into the hands of the Ministry of our Ministry of Defence. With them, everybody can, everybody can read these documents. There are hundreds of pages of documents signed by specific people, specific officials in the US and Ukraine, they show that that they wanted to hide from the international community what the Kiev regime and Western colleagues were doing. American representatives have refused to give explanations about the character and the real aims of their activity in the biological sphere in Ukraine and around the world in a whole. In a preparatory document to the Ninth Review Conference of the uh, Biological Weapons Convention in Geneva at its session in the beginning of April, the Americans once again did not give any clear answer besides waving away the idea that the biological activities of the United States by definition were peaceful and useful for the international community. On the 6th of April, there was a meeting in the ARIA formula where there were independent journalists who asked for clarification from the United States, including about why documents about American-Ukrainian cooperation on biodevelopments contradicted the statements of American officials. But the delegations of the United States and the United Kingdom simply didn't come to that meeting.
There's another very salient fact here. During the course of the meeting that I mentioned the, of the preparatory committee, the US delegation once again rejected the proposal to create an effective verification mechanism for compliance with the BWC. They refused to renew work on a corresponding legally binding protocol to the convention, which the USA has been blocking since 2001. Our initiative was to add trust measures to the CWC through reporting on military biological activity beyond national territory, but the American representatives also rejected this proposal. In other words, the United States is deliberately blocking attempts to strengthen the BWC regime aimed to allow it to effectively keep, to keep violating the convention. All of, this, all of these are very worrying signals, especially given that the American legislation allows for military biological activity and the national legislation in this sphere has prevalence over the international legislation in the United States. I'd once again like to ask the representative of the United States, is if your wishes for biological laboratories to exist around the world and in particular in Ukraine, as you say, then if this is truly peaceful, then why do you refuse to deliver them to international controls? And why do you impede the idea that the international community would have the necessary instruments for that control? This would be the simplest way to once and for all get rid of all doubts and accusations if, as you assert, as you assert they are completely foundless. Unfortunately, we, we, simply have, we simply only have another explanation, which is that you have something to hide, colleagues. We have already accumulated a lot of materials that directly indicate that the United States and Ukraine are violating the CWC, the BWC rather. We continue to collect these materials and analyze them. Given that the American party is refusing to engage in any constructive discussion on this subject, we plan to utilize the mechanisms stipulated in Articles 5 and 6 of the BWC. As soon as work to collect the materials is completed, we will present them to the council for a investigation. We hope that this will allow us to finally cut off the military biological activity which threatens international peace and security and to bring those who are guilty to account. Thank you very much. All right. So I know that that was a lot of audio that's not me. And I hope that you liked it. But either way, it's important to have it down. If you fast forwarded through it, hey, that's your choice. You can make choices. You're an adult. But I think it's important that everybody is familiar with the claims that are made and the claims that are made in that venue. All right. That's different than just the Russian Ministry of Foreign Affairs putting out a statement and we all get to read that statement. It barely makes the news. And that's that. This is the U.N. Security Council. These claims must be taken seriously. And if the U.N. Security Council decides to do nothing about it, they just accept the Americans excuses that this is just biodefense research, then they become complicit in failing to stop this from happening in the world. If it's true, right? Now, why do I give it so much airtime? Am I trying to do the bidding of Vladimir Putin? No. Obviously, that's not it. If we are able to, just for a second, step outside the worldview where everything revolves around the wants and needs and goals of the United States of America and try to see this from the perspective of other countries around the world, how do they look at something like this? Consider what we've heard about Middle Eastern dictators, right? They poison their own people. They gas their own people. They attack their own people with chemical weapons over and over and over and over. Everyone the United States of America wants to go attack with our military has used 
weapons of mass destruction against their own people or on 9-11, right, against us. It is always the prerequisite. Somebody else gets blamed for doing this sort of thing. And the United States has demonized all those leaders. And if they actually did those things and they deserve to be demonized, I think that that is pretty sound in principle. So do they deserve to be demonized if the people responsible for this sort of thing are affiliated with the American evil twin and the global communist corruption? And the comedic actor in Ukraine, I would say that, yes, that principle still stands. We are aware of the atrocities of the Holocaust, of World War II, atrocities carried out by the Nazis, passed down through history. We accept the truth of those stories and we understand that the atrocities committed by Nazis are one of the most heinous crimes against humanity that the world has ever known that the modern world has ever known, certainly. The documentation and the evidence are there, and they should be assessed and analyzed on their own accord. But now let me share the response from the United States representative. And his first comments here are in regard to the UN briefer, the guy who said the UN has no proof but also doesn't have the means to investigate. But I also regret that you've been asked to join us today as part of this truly farcical conversation. As others have said, Russia is once again using the Security Council, using it as a platform to spout disinformation and conspiracy theories about Ukraine, even as Russia continues its brutal and inhumane assault on the Ukrainian people. Russia repeatedly debases the Council through these absurd meetings and endless claims about chemical and biological weapons programs in Ukraine that are categorically false and ludicrous. They follow a well-worn pattern in which Russian authorities accuse others of the very violations Russia either has perpetrated or intends to perpetrate. We should not lend Russia's outlandish claims any credence beyond watching closely for the possibility of a false flag chemical or biological attack by Russia's forces as the Kremlin continues to perpetrate its premeditated, unjustified, and unprovoked war against Ukraine. We heard this morning fanciful claims about poisoned banknotes, secret treatments on psychiatric prisoners, non-disclosure agreements. It's as if the Russian delegation's talking points came from a bad spy novel. But what is not fiction And what we must not forget is that Russia has a long and well-documented track record of using chemical weapons, including an attempted assassinations and the poisoning of Putin's political enemies, like Alexei Navalny. It is Russia that continues to support the Assad regime in Syria, a regime that has repeatedly used chemical weapons. It is Russia that has long maintained a well-documented biological weapons program in violation of international law, including the Biological Weapons Convention. These actions are unacceptable, and we will not stand for them. I reiterate that the United States' position that any use of chemical or biological weapons by Russia will result in severe consequences. And we expect the Russian government to publicly and unequivocally state that Russian forces and its proxies will not use chemical or biological weapons in Ukraine 
or anywhere, ever, in accordance with Russia's international legal obligations. Colleagues, what we're seeing today from the Russian Federation is not the behavior of a responsible country seeking to address serious concerns in this body. Even the documents Moscow circulates don't support their allegations. This is merely an attempt to distract us from the awful violence Russia is perpetrating in Ukraine. It is an effort to make us turn away from the suffering inflicted by Putin's war, the horrors of Bucha, the brutal siege of Mariupol, and the bombardments killing civilians across the country. But the United States is not fooled, nor are council members, and we are not going to look away. Instead, we will continue to hold Russia accountable, and we join others in continuing to call on Putin to end his war of choice. So it's all fake. It's a conspiracy theory. It's straight out of a spy novel. The documents don't support their claims. They don't tell us how. And then we're asked to remember that Russia did Syria, Russia did Bucha, Russia did Mariupol, except every single story the media has ever told us about Russia. Understand all of it's true. This is Putin's war of choice. He's trying to reunite the Soviet Union. Just believe all of that and you will know, or at least you will feel like Russia must be lying. So the Russian Federation, a different representative, responds to these American claims and to the claims of some of the other members of the Security Council who agree with the United States that this is just all a big conspiracy theory. Don't address the evidence. Accuse Russia of things. Say it is their tactic always to accuse others of what they're about to do. Remember, Russia's still going to launch a chemical attack. They already kind of celebrated victory like four days ago, but they're going to go in there and launch a chemical attack in Ukraine. So here once again is the Russian Federation. Once again, there are attempts to divert the discussion and to move the focus from the subject that we initially raised and to mix together chemical and biological weapons. Colleagues, these are different things. President, you talked about both, but we are talking about specific facts that we have uncovered and a specific, in specific documents that indicate that biological laboratories in the Ukraine and, in, and working with the United States are carrying out biological programs. We have distributed several hundred documents there is specific data there, specific cases, specific companies, specific people. If you think this isn't enough evidence, then what is evidence to you? You don't answer our questions, not only within the Security Council. In our statement, we already said that the United States hasn't provided any information or clarifications about the nature of the real aims of its biological activities in Ukraine, including within the preparatory conference for the ninth review conference for the BWC in Geneva, which is a specialized forum. You're trying to pretend that, that nothing serious is happening. But unfortunately, that it is happening. And we want clarifications from you. We've mentioned which mechanisms we might utilize. We won't leave this subject your attempts to turn our specific objections to you and our specific questions into a common pathology 
in talking about Russian propaganda won't, won't work. You'll have to provide specific clarifications about the criminal activity that you're involved in. Thank you. And I think that that is the most salient point to be made. And that's why I thought it was worth playing all of this, even though I know that was kind of a lot. That's a big chunk of the show devoted to listening to people talk at the UN. I know it's not the most thrilling adventure you've ever been on, but it's really important to understand what this conversation is right now. Russia is laying it out. Everybody is pretending it's a big joke. But the point he made there at the end is, I know you're pretending this is not serious, but it is serious and it's not going away. And considering the ineptitude of everyone involved in the fake administration, the deep state neocon foreign policy establishment, we should expect that the Russians probably are right. This probably will not go away. And it doesn't seem that the cover-up effort in Ukraine is going successfully enough for it to be covered up a whole lot longer. So we're going to have to see how all of this develops. But it is critical to understand that our country is being accused of substantial crimes against humanity. Again, they mentioned, as I mentioned on Wednesday, going through the Russian documents, that one of the things being studied there was the distribution of counterfeit money being handed out in the Donbass to children who would be expected to then put their unwashed hands into their mouths after handling this money. It was infected with a drug-resistant tuberculosis, okay? If that claim proves true, look what our country has been doing in our name. And again, the people responsible for this work, for this biological research, are the very same people who were responsible for doing similar biological research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology in coordination with the CCP and the People's Liberation Army. So if you can put it past them to do something like that, cool. I can't. At this point, it seems like the exact sort of thing they would do. And this is one of those interesting times. You know, it's great to say that we support the United States of America always. But supporting the United States of America means supporting the United States of America as the constitutional republic it was intended to be, not the usurper nation it has become, not the banana republic it has been made into through the corruption of these globalists, through the theft of American elections. We have a globalist regime running our country through shadow governments they install. These people have no loyalty whatsoever to the American system, and they are not our legitimate representatives. We are not required as Americans to support them out of a sense of duty or patriotism. These people are the problem. Our nation is not being run as the constitutional republic. It is not being run for the good of the people, and it is not being run according to the Constitution. In fact, it's being run to strip away the rights guaranteed in the Constitution and eventually remove the Constitution altogether. And regardless, it is not patriotic to stand up 
in favor of crimes against humanity when they are committed by your country. That's not patriotism. And you don't have to accept Russian virtue or Russian honesty or anything to understand all of this in principle. And again, we can wait to see how all this plays out. But this narrative has only been heading in one direction. And the attempts by different elements in the fake administration to get rid of this, to make it go away, to cover it all up, to excuse it all away. Those attempts have all failed. It's been a pretty pathetic effort, truth be told. It's about as substantial intellectually and otherwise as a normal fact check that you would see in the mainstream media. Well, it can't be that thing. We have guidances that say that can't happen, so it's not happening. There's no evidence. There's no evidence. There's no evidence. They just repeat that over and over and over again while setting the standards for evidence. Evidence that Iraq had a weapons of mass destruction program that warranted a 20-year involvement in a war by the United States was a little vile of what was referred to as anthrax that Colin Powell held up before that same body. That was all the evidence the United States needed to go to war 20 years ago. And now documentation proving the experiments, directly linking them to Metabiota and Black and Veatch, which means they're directly related to Hunter Biden, to the Clintons, to the Romneys, to George Soros. All of those links, signed documents that cannot be refuted or denied, none of that qualifies as evidence anymore. It's basically the exact same situation we find ourselves in with election fraud. It doesn't matter how much evidence you put out there. It doesn't count as evidence unless it supports their conclusions. The most patriotic thing we can do is to make this country the constitutional republic it was intended to be so that it can preserve individual sovereignty. And that may well mean accepting that crimes against humanity have been committed by some of the most powerful people in the Uniparty over the last years and decades, and they were committed in our name. We know they have committed a slew of other crimes against humanity, not least of which is stealing our elections and taking away our vote. They're violating our First Amendment rights across the board in conjunction with some of the most powerful companies in the world. They're threatening the Second Amendment. They're threatening the Fourth Amendment. They do not care about the rights of any humans. And if these claims are true, they should be confronted with open eyes. It is not patriotic to cover this stuff up. So we have Russia, Ukraine playing out. And for many months, maybe even a year, year and a half, a long time, we've been discussing how China, Taiwan would be next and how the China, Taiwan playbook, as far as it will be portrayed to the world and covered by our media is likely to look almost exactly the same as the Ukraine playbook. And we are beginning to see hints of that. Now, for the last couple of years, the mainstream media has worked really hard, not only to divert blame for the coronavirus away from the CCP and from Xi Jinping, but to support a whole range of agendas that directly benefit the CCP. And of course, much of the Uniparty is either corrupted by or compromised by or both the CCP. 
They do the bidding of the CCP. Our media organizations do the bidding of the CCP. The CCP has been the model for what the globalists want the world to look like. And it's always good to remember that they have active concentration camps in China right now that the globalist community profits from. They do absolutely nothing to stop that heinous violation of human rights. And so I have suggested in the past that it is worth at least keeping our eyes open to the potential that we may have been misled about who Xi Jinping is and what he represents and whether or not he is actually part of the CCP problem or if potentially he might be part of the solution. We have been told Vladimir Putin is absolutely the worst creature on earth. And it seems like a lot of that was propaganda. We have a similar story about Xi Jinping that actually sounds a lot more legitimate. And I am not trying to shill for a Xi Jinping right now. I am totally open to what I am saying right now being wrong. I'm only suggesting that it is worth thinking about, particularly when you start seeing stories like this. This is from Wednesday in The Washington Times. The headline, rumors swirl that China's Xi Jinping will step down amid harsh COVID lockdowns, okay? And we've talked a bunch about the Shanghai lockdowns and what we're seeing from all that. Consider China, just as a thought experiment, consider China the way we think of the United States of America. Remember back to 2020. Remember how things were here. Some of the states went into hard lockdowns. California destroyed the lives of its citizens. California and their governor, Gavin Newsom, in one moment, one snap of the fingers, destroyed my 15-year career, right? And that happened for millions of people, for certain. People's careers just ended because they were jobs that couldn't be done from home and they were deemed non-essential. Everyone was told to mask up. People were told they must remain in their homes. They tried to enforce vaccine mandates later on. All sorts of crazy stuff was happening in the blue states around the country. They took sick patients and put them into nursing homes so that they could die. And they did die in large numbers. The medical protocol was to do nothing, just treat it at home with water and rest until you could stop getting oxygen. Then you go to the hospital. They put you on remdesivir that causes renal failure. You eventually get hooked up to a ventilator. And then you have a 90% chance at that point of dying. And all of this was based on faulty tests. That is going to go down as one of the greatest mass murders in history. And then we have the experimental gene therapy that they have known from the beginning. Not only was it not effective at all, It is also not safe. In fact, it's deadly. It's very harmful. Literally every single mitigation technique they have suggested has caused harm and not helped at all. Lockdowns did not help. They only caused harm. Masks did not help. They only caused harm. Business closures, school closures did not help. They only caused harm. The vaccine did not help. It has only caused harm. Every single thing they have suggested, has been that. And so think about how the states that went along with all of that, which, by the way, is most states to one degree or another, except basically South Dakota and Florida. If you were to objectively report 
on both of those situations simultaneously. One of them would look like there's this massive pandemic that's killing all sorts of people, an enormous public health crisis. And then you could report on Florida or South Dakota where life remained completely and totally normal, more or less. And it's an entirely different story. There were two stories playing out at once. All those states locked down. They instituted mail-in voting. Throughout that summer, they attacked Donald Trump. Donald Trump was responsible for the pandemic. Donald Trump was too stupid to handle the pandemic. We need mail-in votes. We need all of this. And then suddenly Trump is gone. And we look at China and we see a complete and total anti-scientific overreaction to whatever COVID they have there. And now there are hints that Xi's power might be waning. I shared an article a few weeks ago from Neil Ferguson, the historian, not the terrible epidemiologist, hinting that she was going to face all this political pressure for mishandling COVID. It's the exact same narrative we saw here in 2020, and it's playing out in China in 2022. And The fact that they treat Xi Jinping exactly the way they treat Donald Trump and Viktor Orban and Jair Bolsonaro and Narendra Modi and Vladimir Putin, by the way, suggests that we might not be getting the right take from our media on all of this. And if it turns out that Xi is actually in favor of Chinese sovereignty and is himself trying to remove the Chinese Communist Party. And again, only a possibility to stay open to. Everything else has been misrepresented by the global state media. There is no reason to believe any part of it. What you have to do is strip away all knowledge of the situation and look at what there is, right? Take away all the prejudices of the Western media and see the thing for what it is. If it is what the Western media describes, then fine. Maybe they're right. But they lie constantly about everything and they do it intentionally. They do it because they have goals they want to see fulfilled. So let's see where the narrative is on Xi Jinping. Rumors circulating in China and among overseas Chinese social media are claiming Chinese President Xi Jinping under fire for draconian COVID-19 lockdowns in Shanghai and elsewhere will step down from power. Now, that is kind of a mirror situation to what was happening with Donald Trump. Donald Trump was too weak on COVID. He wasn't draconian enough. He didn't support the lockdowns. He was only masked once or twice. He talked about crazy things like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin that do actually work, even though our media lied about it. He talked about ultraviolet light therapy and was made to sound like a lunatic, even though that exact therapy for COVID-19 was being studied at Cedars-Sinai. Anthony Fauci is still out there claiming that lockdowns on the whole were good. The story back then was that we needed to lock down more, go more draconian. But now... The same people are concerned that Xi's power might be threatened because of the lockdowns. And the Washington Times, by the way, is a conservative outlet. So I'm not accusing them of shilling for globalists, though they may be. What's happening, at least right here in this first paragraph, is that the central narrative is being accepted and incorporated into what's being said. So the viewpoint right now is not important. 
That is a repetition of the central narrative, but it's kind of flipped on its head. The rumors followed a meeting last week of the party Politburo Standing Committee, the collective leadership group that rules China. They were traced in part to a Chinese language YouTube video May 4th by Canadian-based blogger appearing under the persona Lao Dang. Details of the video quickly spread to social media outlets in China, but were quickly censored. The blogger, citing what he said was a senior Chinese Communist Party security source, said a coup was launched against Mr. Xi at the meeting of senior party leaders in Beijing. According to the blog, Mr. Xi was forced to step aside, but will stay in place until a major party meeting later this year. And so right there, you can see a separation between the Chinese Communist Party and Xi Jinping. Now, who saw that coming two years ago? I'm certainly not suggesting I did, by the way. And a separation between Xi and the CCP has been no part of the central narrative to this point. But there has always been that theory about Donald Trump with these various foreign leaders of the world. And it's often referred to as the submission theory that Donald Trump visited all these world leaders. They had these unique displays of alliance. Putin handed the soccer ball to Donald Trump. Trump visited the Forbidden City, the only foreign world leader to ever do so. He did that with Xi Jinping. He visited Kim Jong-un in North Korea and they crossed the demilitarized zone between North and South Korea. He had a good relationship with Modi. He had a good relationship with Bolsonaro. He had a good relationship with AMLO in Mexico. And it's worth noting that AMLO and Bolsonaro are snubbing Joe Biden's invitation to his summit of the Americas. He had the orb and the sword dance with the Saudis. And all of those events were theorized to be a an agreement worked out between Donald Trump and those leaders. And the idea was that they would all be on the same page with Donald Trump's plans toward bringing down the global communist apparatus worldwide, which would involve targeting the corruption, all of this abuse and malfeasance, the crimes against humanity, the human trafficking, the drug trafficking and separating from the central bankers. So if that is what's happening behind the scenes, then it could become clear over the next few months that maybe Xi Jinping is not who we've expected he was. And I want to just be clear that I accepted the definition of who Xi Jinping was at face value. He's the leader of the Chinese Communist Party. The Chinese Communist Party is an absolutely brutal, cruel, awful regime. I had no doubt about that. Okay, and I still have no doubt about the Chinese Communist Party. Communism in any of its forms is a heinous anti-human ideology. But if somehow she is not the guy we all thought he was, then we could be looking at something very interesting developing right now. In his place, current premier Lee Keqiang will take over daily management of the party and government. The video included the headline, shocking coup. Xi Jinping has stepped down. Lee Keqiang is the new master. 
Mr. Xi supposedly agreed to voluntarily step down and will not be held responsible for the current turmoil over lockdowns. A CIA spokeswoman did not immediately respond to a request for comment. How is the CIA involved? Rumors in China are usually false. However, in some cases, information derived from rumors preceded actual events. Examples include reports of the arrest of the Gang of Four communist leaders following Mao Zedong's death in 1976 and the downfall of regional CCP leader Bo Xilai on corruption charges in 2012. Rumors can be unofficial leaks in a nation with little press freedom and tight government control over media. But several analysts of Chinese affairs say the rumors of a leadership change are probably not true. Okay, so the story is that she has stepped down. This is a rumor. It is deemed by analysts to be probably not true, but it's apparently worth discussing anyway. And here's why they may reflect either a party power struggle in advance of the forthcoming conclave or deliberate disinformation by Mr. Xi aimed at burnishing the CCP's tarnished image. Now, that's an interesting claim. The lockdowns in China, including the financial hub of Shanghai, have angered large segments of China's 1.4 billion people. Videos have circulated showing anti-government protests against forced quarantines and arrests and detention of people who test positive for COVID-19. And I've discussed a lot of those videos before. They do not look authentic to me, but that is just my perspective. It doesn't seem like anyone would be legitimately treating COVID that way. And it also doesn't seem like the people depicted as treating COVID that way are actually doing so. They are wearing cloth suits that are not biohazard suits, and they're wearing cloth masks over their faces, which certainly don't prevent the spread of an airborne virus. So why should we assume that the rest of the video is real? Now, am I saying that the regime could not do something like that as a dramatic display that they use to propagandize their own citizens and citizens around the world? They are absolutely capable of doing that. But even if the videos are that and that's what they're intended to be, they are still representing an underlying falsehood. The lockdowns are key to Beijing's draconian and controversial zero COVID policy, which aims to contain and snuff out the smallest signs of COVID infections through isolation and social control. The World Health Organization recently angered Chinese leaders by calling this zero COVID policy unsustainable. Again, very interesting. OK, consider the parties here. The World Health Organization is on the side of the globalists, on the side of the global communists. They have hid information from America at the beginning of the COVID situation. They told the world that human to human infection was not happening, right? That's who the WHO is. We also have the WHO in about 10 days trying to vote to seize the sovereignty of every nation in the world. They want to dominate the entire world through health policy. That is literally what's happening at the World Health Assembly and the vote that will be taken there. And I'm trying to have a man named James Roguski on the podcast. We're working out scheduling. I'm hoping that I get him on today or tomorrow, some point this weekend, at least. And that's partially why the episode today is delayed. But we know what side the World Health Organization is on. Now, why would the WHO call China's zero COVID policies unsustainable? 
while Australia, parts of Australia and New Zealand also pursued zero COVID with extraordinarily tight lockdowns. Why are they draconian and controversial in Shanghai, but they were the right thing to do in Australia and New Zealand as the entire world was engaged in global communism as a response to a so-called pandemic? Backlash against the government's harsh approach is fueling widespread disgust of China's leadership, including Mr. Xi, who has boasted of taking control of anti-pandemic measures. An estimated 330 million Chinese are currently in health-related lockdowns in some 45 cities since March, even as restrictions on gatherings and travel in other developed countries are being lifted. Again, why are the same people who encouraged all these sorts of restrictions in 2020, now saying this stuff is draconian and controversial. And again, I'm not certain of it, but it seems to me like they are shifting the narrative on China and trying to influence Xi Jinping's ability to retain power in China. And it's now beginning to look like that power struggle is between Xi and other elements of the CCP. Now, why would there be a power struggle within the CCP? And why would it be based on Xi being too harsh on Chinese citizens? That is not the perspective you would ever expect the CCP to have, right? Certainly Gavin Newsom and Andrew Cuomo and Gretchen Whitmer and Kate Brown and all these sociopathic communist governors in America were not criticizing one another for being too strict in their responses. They wanted their responses to be more like Australia's and New Zealand's, to be more in line with what the WHO wanted. So there's something very strange going on here. Miles Yu, a former senior State Department policy planning official for China, said rumors in China, whether proven true or not, are often weaponized and used by feuding CCP factions in frequent power struggles. And that's what we were just discussing. But would they be going after Xi? Isn't Xi like some all powerful, like Chinese demigod? Isn't that how he's always been presented to us? How is he unable to stomp out this uprising against him from rival CCP factions. When the party as a whole caused a catastrophe in China, the regime usually needs to spread a rumored hope to have a better person emerge to save the party's image, Mr. Yu said. So the idea being that she will be blamed for this massive COVID problem because it's angered too many people. He'll be taken out and the CCP will have saved China from she. If the rumor turns out to be true, it could be similar to a ploy used by Mao Zedong in the early 1960s after the disastrous Great Leap Forward. Oh, the Great Leap Forward was a disaster. Was it like build back better? Isn't it amazing how they come up with these names, these communists of the world? Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Joe Biden came up with Build Back Better on his own and isn't a communist. It's crazy how Biden voters still believe this stuff. The backyard industrialization program led to the deaths of tens of millions of people from a government caused famine. Ha, Biden's got one of those on the way, too. 
Mao at the time was forced by party leaders to step aside from day-to-day management, but remained supreme leader. Within four years, Mao launched an even deadlier power struggle called the Cultural Revolution that removed all those communist leaders who had forced him to step aside, Mr. Yu said. If the rumor turns out to be true, there is no reason Mr. Xi will not repeat that scenario while he is still in charge. Jennifer Zhang, a China affairs analyst who runs the video report Inconvenient Truths, said the rumors allege the power shift will be kept secret in order to give Mr. Xi time to correct his bad policies. Okay, Mr. Xi is also said to be voluntarily giving up power in part in order to avoid being put in prison. Ms. Zhang said there have been some subtle signs of a possible leadership change in Beijing, but rumors are dubious. I don't find Lao Dang's claims very credible, mainly for one reason, she stated in a video. The reason is that he claimed that after Li Keqiang takes over, he will start an overall political reform. The CCP will, quote, fade out from the stage and China will adopt and establish a Western style civilization. Isn't that too good to be true? Well, it's not quite too good to be true. Because if the global communist elements of China actually do fall and listen, if she is on that side of the CCP and they all collectively fall, that's wonderful. Bringing down the CCP is the ultimate goal. If Xi Jinping does not turn out to be Vladimir Putin and my speculative theory about that turns out to be false, I am totally fine with being wrong in that situation. I care about the CCP coming down. That is what I care about. I care about China operating as a sovereign nation, not as a proxy slave state of the global communist regime. I'm only saying I'm open to having been in the past wrong about what role she is playing. I have no doubts about the evil of the Chinese Communist Party, just as I have no doubts about the evil of the Democrat Communist Party in America or the global communist state that is being empowered around the world. And on that subject, there's actually something else I would like to mention. Considering this, you know, the the idea of these global communist states in terms of the good twin, evil twin paradigm, right? The evil twin in all these countries around the world propping up communism seems to be increasing in its power over the last few decades, obviously. But the timeline is the timeline. And many of those states have been overestimated in their power, in their ability to achieve the ends that the agenda requires. It's clear that Joe Biden's fake administration is not able to get the job done as the global communists want it right? These things are not going according to plan. Even if you believe, even if you are one of the people who is blackpilled and believe that things are actually going well for the fake administration and the global communists in general, I think it would be a rather extraordinary and unsupportable claim to say that things really are going according to plan there. And if you think about this country by country, rather than just the entire world as as a whole, The empowerment of the global communist regime in each one of these countries is at a different point. They are not all at full functionality and able to work in conjunction as they hope they all will be someday in order to enact the level of global control that they're striving for. We have already seen color revolutions overturned in Myanmar, in Burkina Faso. We see this stuff happening throughout the world. 
no matter what your level of black pilled is, you cannot argue that the global communists are just achieving success without cost all over the place. Ukraine is only the most recent example of their failures and perhaps the biggest. The rumors are more likely a reflection of a power struggle, she said. Opponents of Xi in the party are said to have orchestrated the action based on the Chinese leader's hardline policies and his developing a personality cult similar to Mao's. Now, again, recall that the media specifically accuses Donald Trump of having a cult of personality. All of us who support the America first agenda, we are just in a cult. We are obsessed with Donald Trump. We are obsessed with Donald Trump's personality. That's what it is. It's a cult of personality. His supporters are a cult. None of it is legitimate. None of it is based on policy concerns. None of it is based on Donald Trump's ability to actually stand up for the interests of the American people. We are told the same thing about Bolsonaro. We are told the same thing about Orban. And we are told the same thing about Putin. How many times do we need to be told these same things before we begin to see them as part of a whole inside the central narrative? The same tactic being run over and over and over again. The same psychological manipulation. Mr. Xi is attempting to break the longstanding practice of two terms in office for presidents, seeking a third five-year term later this year. Another supposed sign of the coup was the canceling of a major speech by Secretary of State Antony Blinken set for May 4th, a speech that was postponed after he tested positive for COVID. Oh, that's part of a coup. Antony Blinken and his positive COVID test are part of a coup against Xi. Well, that is very interesting. Can't wait to find out more about how that happened. One Chinese language post on Twitter said another indicator was the removal of Xi's books from a Beijing bookstore. What? <laughs> They're citing Twitter. They're citing a post on Twitter. Imagine some woke bookstore realized they had some stray copy of the art of the deal in the store. How would they react? It was just hidden behind 10 copies of white fragility that finally sold out. It's like a scene from Portlandia. The store owner is like, oh no, there's a Donald Trump book here. We have to get rid of it. And then the news goes out and reports on it. And suddenly we're supposed to believe that that's evidence of a coup. I mean, what in the world is this reporting? But let's close this strange article out. The party media organ People's Daily on May 8th, also failed to run one of the usual glowing photos of Mr. Xi on its front page. Instead, only Mr. Lee, the premier, and another party leader were mentioned. Now, there have long been rumors about a struggle for power between Xi and Lee, and people have claimed that Lee is actually the one in control of the Chinese Communist Party. This is not some new claim. So, again, I am not saying I am certain about what should be taken from this. I am saying this is very strange reporting. There is something very odd going on relative to Xi Jinping. We're going to see how some of this plays out as the uh, China-Taiwan story begins to come to the fore. And it'll be worth reserving judgment about the presentation of that narrative until we find out more. So just something to think about. These are very interesting times. 
and we should not be attached to our prior understanding of anything. We have all been wrong about so many things, which is natural because we deal in a world and an information environment of mass manipulation and informational and psychological warfare. The response is more openness and more patience. We need to examine new ideas. We do not need to hold on to our prejudices because they made so much sense at one point. That gets us nowhere and it allows the media to manipulate us. So a lot of strange dynamics playing out in the world right now. And I am doing my best to play devil's advocate and present another perspective on what this stuff might be. We need to think about these things because they're going to begin taking on a major role in our country's future and the world's future. So we must be attentive. I'll be back on Monday at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Mask and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!